And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello there. This upcoming World Cup, what are The Athletic going to be doing about it? Well, I'm James Richardson and every night I'll be hosting a totally football show with the likes of Raphael Honigstein, James Horncastle and the rest of the Totally crew. Then every morning from Qatar, wham, the Athletic Football Podcast will be at you with David Ornstein, Matt Slater, Adam Crafton and many more. There'll also be World Cup content from Adam Hurry's Football Clichés Podcast, Michael Cox's insightful Athletic Football Tactics Podcast and Joe Devine's TIFO Podcast with all the stories that matter from Qatar. All in all, The Athletic is your essential audio companion for the upcoming World Cup. This is Why Always Us. It's your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. I am joined by Sam Lee. Hello. And Paul Bios. Hello there. Uh, you can read everything on City and more in The Athletic right now for a pound a month for six months. Just use the code MANCITYPOD when you sign up. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash MANCITYPOD. Now, um, uh, Sam, we've uh, we've almost got the worst single game to uh, lead us into a World Cup. Because yep. um, when you uh, when City lose on an international weekend, you go, oh God, it's a, it's a fortnight now so we can go and put that right. Um, so it's, it's now December before they can go and put that right. Um... Why? I mean, why was it so laboured against Brentford? Oh, well, I mean, in terms of what you're saying about losing and then not having time to put it right, I always say, like, City Twitter is the worst place after a defeat because you get, like, three a season or something. And then I feel like, right, well, I'm keeping my head down for this week. So, basically, we've got six weeks now of keeping (laughs) my head down. Enjoy the World Cup. So, that's good. Yeah, exactly. Um, And that's the thing, like, because it's the World Cup, it's almost like... Obviously, I don't know what everyone's thinking, but it it doesn't feel quite the same way as oh, there's an international break. We've got to wait two weeks to put it right. It just feels like it's just such a big gap. Yeah, the World Cup is on. Just forget it completely and crack on. Um, why do they look like that? I'm going to start with Brentford being really good. Um, I actually wanted because obviously the way we do one podcast a week, we basically just preview the next game, and obviously the Chelsea game was up next, wasn't it? So we talked about the Carabao Cup, and you know, I was like maybe they'll get United or Liverpool in the drawer and that would work really well for the team or whatever. Love and then I was thinking, I wish we'd talked, yeah, and I was thinking, I wish we'd talked about the Brentford game because those games last season were like, in a, in a way, City's toughest opponent. I mean, you'd probably say Liverpool were and I'm sure, you know, Guardiola would say, oh, the way Chelsea defend, blah, blah, blah. But the two games against Brentford were certainly probably the two most horrible to watch on average against yeah. the same team because, and then there was a point in the first half when John Stones, this is on Saturday, when John Stones was trying to take a throw in and it went on for ages and City were losing. And it was like the ref was like, get on with it. And it's, it was almost like he was wasting time. It was like he had no options. And I, I'd said to Paul and, and Jay, who covers Brentford for us, so I remember this from last season, like Brentford don't even give you options on a throw in. Like they are absolutely ranked to play against. Um, but then, yeah, um, you know, they've what conceded five at 
Newcastle and four at Villa or something recently, not one away from home all season. How does you know how does football work that they can go and do that? So they've got an extra motivation. You know they don't. Have, there's no real impetus on them to to play t- too much. I know yeah. they're they're very direct, but they don't. You know there's no real em- emphasis to go and have to go and do that. And then we'll get into all the city factors um, and wary of speaking too much. I'm going to throw over to Paul to see what he thinks, and then we'll kind of dot back in. Because there was because le- like I mean as a starter De Bruyne was absolutely horrible wasn't he like, awful yeah. absolutely well ju- just just before we do well, that why? Paul um, I, I just I, I just on the Brentford thing um, because we talked recently on that podcast about you know City facing teams that either sat back or pressed them high and I kind of felt like Brentford did both they they were they were simultaneously very low and very deep and difficult to break down but then they were also at the same time really high and putting pressure on City and giving them no options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of selected the moments where they felt that, that they could press, which is a really intelligent way to defend. Just on the moments that they felt that they had an option just to regain the ball in a good position and just attack back again, um, they tried it. But as soon as City bre- broke the first line of pressure, they just decided to sit uh, deep and back and, yeah, and just wait for City. Um, I think, of course, Brentford was really good um, and as I was saying it's a team that last year uh, put City into some difficulties I think that last season some of the games against Bradford was like a midweek game some game that it's, it's one of those that is tough for City because they have so many games so they are not like sharp enough sometimes but I think and of, of course I, I know what Guardiola said that the best team on the pitch won but I think that um, it's a bit down to City if City is fine if City knows how to play and they kind of they are well placed in the game they have to win it so I think that we have to look at the team I know that um, the Pep and the backroom staff weren't happy at all after the game um, I, I got the feeling that Pep didn't want to be too harsh on their players because he knew that the World Cup was coming and that these kind of games can happen um, and yeah basically just admit that it was it was one of those days and just go to the next one after the World Cup um, yeah that's going to be the situation I think yeah and uh, I mean the, that kind of prospect of the World Cup um, I've, I've seen a lot of City fans after the game say that uh, that they thought that players were worried about getting injured ahead of the World Cup I've kind of dismissed it because I just kind of thought you go on the pitch and you kind of I don't think you can kind of play within yourself when when the heat of the moment gets going um, but what you're saying, Paul, is that is was? Do you think there was an element of that in the end? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, we'll never know, I guess, because those are theories that how how do you prove it? I mean, uh, because at the end of the day, we, we we are speaking now like that. And if Gundogan scores that really good play on the second half, that they made like a good combination, and and he doesn't send it like over the crossbar, um, probably City could have won, but they wouldn't have played really well. Um, I don't know if they were thinking about the World Cup. I mean, the thing is that they were like really rusty. Um, I think that probably the team needed Bernardo in the middle sooner because, um, yeah, just seeing that Kevin De Bruyne wasn't on his day. He was like misplacing so so many passes. He was, yeah, not feeling um, on his right form. Um, probably City would have appreciated Bernardo more in the base of the play, basically, sooner. Um, but yeah, now it's yeah now it's kind of easy to make these kind of theories, of course. 
Yeah. Um, Sam, just on the uh, on the selection, um, because, I mean, ahead of the game, we were all pretty happy to see Foden back in and, and Haaland back in. Um, it's, it's just, I know it's a small sample size, but the four times that City have dropped points this season, Newcastle, Aston Villa, Liverpool and Brentford, um, Bernardo was out wide and Gundogan was in the centre. And I'm very wary of making that kind of connection. But I just wonder how much of, of Bernardo being not in the centre is a contributing factor to those games. That can be the new Rodri and Gundogan playing together. Yeah, that's that's what I'm worried about. That's, what, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly what I'm worried about. Well, there's, <laughs> there's another one, isn't there? I thought you were going to say Grealish hadn't played any of those games. And I think that's true as well. Yeah. Um, I, don't know I'm, I don't know whether I'm coming or going with Grealish because, you know, it's all, you know I've not been saying he's the best player in the world, but all I've been saying since he signed is let's just be patient. And then obviously... I was saying around the Wolves and United games, he's doing really well. And then recently, I didn't think he'd done very well at all. But then obviously against Chelsea, he was great. And then he doesn't start and you think that's that must be shit. That genuinely must be really annoying. But that Chelsea game was the best game he had in ages. And I know it was, a, it was a more open game. And that's part of the whole thing, isn't it? Those game, The games aren't normally yeah. that open. But it must be really annoying for him to play that well and then not, not even come on, I guess. Um, but yeah, Bernardo on the right. Well, the thing was, Bernardo on the right, at the weekend, he was playing like the proverbial Amaron, wasn't he? Like, he, he wasn't doing anything on the right wing. Um, I get why he's there overall in other games. And it's like, it's basically Guardiola's way of getting everybody on the pitch, isn't it? Do you remember when he first came? And he, oh, what was it? What? How did he do it? But he, it was when it was when they had a back three, was it? And they had, I don't know, but they had Fernandinho, Gundogan, Silva, and like David Silva, and De Bruyne all on the pitch at the same time. And it was a way to get Gundogan in. And it's basically just get all your best players most creative yeah. players like game tempo dictating well, players on the pitch at the same time yeah. yeah and it's like so you put bernardo on the wing i get it like we were th- we were thinking that before the derby weren't we but so i can't even remember now but somebody was injured and i was like i wonder if that best 11 is going to be you've got gundo and de bruyne in the middle with rodri and then you put bernardo on the wing just because if you've got him there he's going to prop up in the right areas but yeah in terms of this most recent case study he wasn't really doing a lot um, it's funny, actually. I'm looking at like a De Bruyne thing for the World Cup, and I, I don't know. Maybe it's just two completely different si- situations. But do you remember that chance Mares missed um, against Brighton just before Brighton scored? So De Bruyne played him in. Yeah. yeah so yeah. what happened there was he had um, Grealish to his left, and Haaland ran across, and Haaland dragged the markers with him. So Mares was in loads of space and. De Bruyne just gave him the ball at the weekend there was because obviously these breaks happen all the time when De Bruyne is like carrying it like down the outside or through the middle so he passed to Foden which he does all the time and like um, Harlan ran through the middle but there was nobody on the right and it was almost like if a player with that kind of instinct to to get into the box like if Foden had been playing on the right or Mares, maybe they would have kept up and then there would have been a pass to the right. And it is kind of that kind of summed up in one possibly unfair moment kind of Bernardo's contribution as a right winger um, at um, at the weekend, and I mean, he di- didn't he? He didn't play very well against Villa, did he? On the last game of last season, where was he playing then? Though was that on the right? I I don't remember. I, yeah, I can't remember I'm either. Sure. A bit of a blur that day. But obviously, he wasn't he wasn't playing well, and that was Grealish was saying get Bernardo off before the whole Mares Almiron thing. He was saying get Bernardo off, wasn't he? he was, didn't he say when he was on the bus and he was pissed? He was like get him off, he's shit or whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't know. But then it kind of ties into the subs. And I mean, we we don't really need to um, talk about the subs thing again. You know, I've seen people say, oh, I should have brought Gomez on. And should somebody said, I know this is just one example. And 
I feel it feels like picking on them actually, but it's not. It's just, but it's like somebody said should have brought on Gomez and, and Lewis, who's in form, and it's like maybe they should. But and look, um, and maybe this is maybe that's a completely fine point to make. But in call. terms of knowing the knowing the scenario and knowing Guardiola, don't even waste don't even waste your fingers tweeting that because this is not going to happen, is it? Like that's not going to happen. And also, like we saw Brentford's kind of threat going forward on the rare times they went forward. You wouldn't like if they had Gomez and Lewis to go at, it would have probably happened more often. Or the attacks they did have would have been more devastating because those two players, Gomez in particular, he's a bit older, but fine. He's been playing left back for a year. He's not great defensively Gomez and Lewis is 17 and uh, he's, he's got weaknesses in his game as well it's just not going to happen and I, I get there was no width and it was all a bit confused by the end because you could tell with Guardiola after Brentford had scored maybe even just the 10 minutes he was kind of gesturing it was like a kind of looped pass I think he was just like stand the ball up put the ball to the back post and it, I think it was on the right so Stone's attack from right back for a header at the back post and obviously Haaland there as well but then it was so compact because like De Bruyne had gone into the middle because obviously De Bruyne and Bernardo had switched. So, but they put Bernardo in the middle at some point, which was better than him being on the right. De Bruyne on the right, which kind of made sense because nothing was going for him. But it was like, well, if you can just find one cross, then you're probably going to score. So it all made sense. But then he came into the middle. They're really narrow on the left. And then Guardiola was doing that thing where he stretched his arms out, like get wide. And it's like, well, who do you want to go wide? <laughs> like, Stones yeah. has got to come inside. Like De Bruyne has come in the middle. And, and like, he wasn't saying to De Bruyne, like, you specifically get out wide. It was just width in general. It's like, well, who's going to do that now? So it was a bit confused, but obviously he was desperate by the end. But yeah, the subs thing, like, this was well, obvious I- after about an hour before, but it's like, De Bruyne is having a shocker, but you can't take De Bruyne off. Bernardo's been doing nothing out there, but you'd want Bernardo on the pitch as well. And then, and then it ties into the whole Guardiola thing of not disrupting the structure, because obviously, look, he knew the, the whole kind of thing about not making changes is partly because he doesn't want to have somebody come on and lose the ball or commit too much and have a team cause more problems on the counter-attack. And the way Brentford did score on the counter-attack is a great example of that. So, And the sub he did make, taking off Cancelo, it's just basically the most peripheral player you can get. And I don't mean in terms of involvement in the game because, you know, Cancelo was trying to create stuff as much as anyone else. But taking off a left-back and keeping on Foden, so not even taking off Foden because you'd want Foden on the pitch to try and bring something around. It's just, there were basically no players he could take off. You're not taking off Haaland. You're not taking off De Bruyne, even though he was crap. You're not taking off Bernardo, even though he was doing nothing. So just bring him in the middle, that's fine. You're not taking off Gundogan, probably because you need him in midfield to t- tie everything together. You're not taking off Foden because he's a match winner and he'd already scored the goal, even though he wasn't actually playing that well. So who are you taking off? Uh, it... it and that's why it kind of came down to no subs. And it, like another manager would have just gone, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But if you actually kind of work out how Guardiola tries to do things, um, it, it makes a bit more sense. But then, uh, you know, the other side of that coin is if you want width or you want like penetration or whatever, and Grealish is actually playing well now, then get Grealish on. But then, yeah, yeah like, who, who is he actually taking off? Let's. I mean, let's Paul. Just kind of on that, I had a I had a couple of friends after the game on uh, Saturday suggest that um, when things are not. I mean, it was pretty clear that things weren't going great for City in that uh, in that game. And as Sam says, there was a number of players who who weren't playing particularly well. Um, a couple of friends said that that Guardiola tends to kind of double down on what he believes, and 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 his trust in the process during games like that just becomes more. It's like a a, a self a kind of feeding cycle where he says, "Well, what do we need to do? We need to do what we always do. 
what we do works, so let's do more of that. And it just kind of ends up feeding with this situation where he doesn't change anything. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of like, I think that this season City won a game with City ending up the game as a left-back, didn't he? Um, like when Pep made sub- substitutions. If uh, I was looking for the game now, but I wasn't that quick on transfer mark to check it. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was one of uh, it was difficult to to choose which player had to come off. Uh, basically, I agree with Sam in that regard that um, City wasn't white enough, and Pep was like doing signs just try to be white. I think that Brentford did one thing really well, which is. Um, just train how to defend the crosses that City tries to make on the back post. This has been like a trend for 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 City this this season, like just ping it to the back post because Haaland does does this movement going there, or there will be like yeah, John Stones was trying to um, adapt on the attack. And basically, Brentford with the wing backs they cover that position like really really well. Um, so then, when City is not great, that's a weapon that they can use, but Renfrew was like neutralizing it quite well. Um, so yeah, basically then um, Guardiola tried to, I guess that the reason of using Foden as a left back is knowing that he can uh, run up and down across the bridge more, not not easily because no one can do that, but like more comfortably probably than, than Cancelo and he's more of a threat, like playing wide open. Um, but yeah, I mean, probably Grealish could have been useful. Mares, I think that he wasn't that bad against Chelsea and he can be back uh, soon to some kind of good form. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a tough one. And you can see what Guardiola does when they lose games. Um, and, and I think that time has proven him that he's he's not wrong most of the times. But yeah, uh, probably City would have, need, would have needed like something else. Who... Who knows and who will know, but yeah, that's how it's yeah. done. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just on um, the counterattacks poll as well, because uh, I, I when I rewatched the highlights, um, basically a, a little insight into into how highlights are done. Because this is one of my very first jobs in media. Um, somebody basically watches the game while it's happening and ranks the chances out of ten, and then when it when it gets to the editor, they can just kind of sit down and go, "Well, that's that's, that, that's going in, that's going in, that's going in, that's going in." There we go. Um, so if you ever wonder why highlights didn't make the edits, because whoever was watching the game alongside uh, it being shot was uh, just decided that it was it wasn't a great chance in the moment of it was it Terry happened. Christian yeah um so um that's a very I, I did Paul do you know who Terry Christian is <laughs> no not uh, really no yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah um so basically that happened and I'll tell uh, you later. yeah um and so 
you rank the chances oh. out of ten. You view that you view them. Um, you edit the highlights together, and all the chances were Brentford's because all, Brentford had the best chances in the game, and it, it was counter-attacking yeah. pace, and it was aerial threat. So I mean, uh, that aerial threat is unbelievable. Isn't it? Why, like City, have got big blokes at the back? Why couldn't why couldn't they deal with that, Paul? Ah, uh, that's that's. I think that they Brentford just train a lot in that. Just they just mm. know where to pick the ball. Um, it's not about just being like tall, tall people. I mean, um, Hallam is a tall guy, and I think that he's not the great, the, like the best header on on the Man City squad. There's about hundred um, on Saturday I, that went that went just over his head as well. Yeah, yeah. And the opposite yeah, example yeah. is Fernandinho wasn't the tallest, but Fernandinho was great in the air. Yeah, and I've been told, for example, that that Bernardo Silva is a fantastic header. Of course, he cannot compete like jumping and just winning people. But in terms of like how to use his head, it's like really, really good, um, which is curious. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's more about practice and more about like having guys that know how to do it rather than just throwing a tall guy, which of course might help. But yeah, and yeah, Brentford, I mean, you, you could tell that they knew what they were doing when all the, um, when all the freakies that, that, that they had from the halfway line, it was basically the keeper picking them. And just crushing the ball to bend me or just to the exact point where they knew that a player could like ping a second ball. Yeah, Edison uh, made some good stops as well, Sam. It was it's it's weird giving the goalkeeper a man of the match after a defeat like that. But I thought he was uh, I thought he was great. Apart from I mean, apart from the opening goal. Uh, the opening goal. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about the positioning, but um, it just seems to loop over him. I wouldn't say that was a mistake. Um, yeah, in fact, yeah. You know, if the game had finished one-one. It would have been a more obvious point, and it's only now that you've mentioned it. I remembered. I remember saying, "This is one of those games." Like if Edison had had one of those games where he was a bit off it, you know, normally it normally works this way: where City score four, Edison can be a bit off it, and they concede one or two, and you go, "Oh," but you kind of gloss over it. But if Edison had have had one of those dodgy games, City would have got battered. Yeah, but he was actually really good. Um, so yeah, absolutely. And then just another thing about like counter attacks and control and stuff. The way Guardiola Guardiola always talks about impatience and not rushing it because obviously if you rush it you lose the ball and obviously if, you, if the rest of the team aren't in the right shape then it's easier to counter-attack against you so you either rush it and you lose it and you get counter-attacks against you or you actually in a way cut open the other team too well and you can run but you don't finish the actions as Guardiola would say and then you're not set up in your shape and the other team counter-attack and you've got problems which is what happened at Newcastle because City weren't really rushing it. They were just lo- had loads of spaces to run into. Uh, and you, but you, the same effect, the same, the same problem there. And then there's a third way of having the same problem, which we saw on Saturday, which I don't think City were rushing it. I don't think they were putting the ball in too quickly. They were just really sloppy, weren't they? Yeah. So whether it was a De Bruyne pass or um, just losing the ball around the edge of the box, they couldn't build that momentum. And then obviously with the Laporte injury, um, with people shooting from centre-back shooting from outside the box. Goal kicks. David Raya was time-wasted on every goal kick. I mean, I'll give him his due. He was fantastic on the ball, but it's not a criticism thing. He just did. Um, they couldn't build that momentum at all. And then because they were sloppy, they were losing the ball, not having the control, not building up pressure, suffering counter-attacks. And it's the same thing. And that's why I think one of my takeaways from this game, and this is going to sound like an uber Guardiola fan thing to say, but just it's almost easier to make the point about why he wants patience after a game they've lost. Somebody, and maybe I'm completely wrong, somebody replied to me on Sunday saying, see, this patient approach is wrong. It cost us points against so-and-so and so-and-so. And And I'm like, 
are, I think, completely the opposite. Like, it, if you think about those Brentford games last season, it, it earned the points against Brentford. It earned God knows how many points last season. It earned the points against Leicester. I know there was a free kick, but Leicester didn't counter-attack. They didn't get to do what they want to do. Um, there's, you know, they, if they'd have been more patient against Newcastle, they'd have been much better off. You know, it, it, I, I think it proves the point. But I will admit that it's impossible to know because if if City did go toe-to-toe with teams and let them counter, but the game was more open and they had Haaland and Foden and Grealish running into space and doing what they needed to do and, and maybe they'd be more them. destructive, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe maybe it would just be, you know, City winning like loads of games like 4-2, 4-3 and, you know, another manager, you know, maybe if Pep were to leave in the summer and another manager comes in with the same players, maybe that's the way they'll do it. Gavin Keegan, um, get on so, the phone. Uh, yeah, exactly. But maybe that's the way they'll do it and, you know, maybe all the neutrals will suddenly love City because they're, they're so much more entertaining. But it's just the approach that Guardiola's gone for, you can't really criticise because it's won City so much. Um, you know, there were times, you know, maybe Madrid away, they were a bit too cautious. They were kind of trying to sit on what they had rather than, you know, keep attacking, which is what Guardiola wants to do. And not attacking gung-ho, but just attacking sensibly, picking your moments. They weren't even doing that. I guess that's a process in Europe. But this approach has won so much for City. It's obviously here to stay. It is successful. And I just, I just feel like the game at the weekend makes that point brilliantly. Like, it didn't work at the... Like, what... City were trying didn't work at the weekend. It wasn't because they were impatient. It was for other reasons. But the reasons were the same. And that's why Guardiola doesn't want them to make risky passes or, you know, dribble or try and have loads of shots. And that's why he wants, you know, 1,000 million passes and slow the game down. Like, it, I'm, I'm trying to find examples where it's actually going to convince people. But I suppose there's just, you know, it, it, there's for certain people, and I'm, I don't mean anyone in particular by that, but genuinely, the genuine meaning of this phrase, for certain people, they will never be convinced by that. But just look just look at all the examples, whether it's trophies won. But like I say, like whether it's the Leicester game or the Newcastle game or the Brentford game, where you've got three different results, just the value of keeping the ball and being patient with it and making high-quality chances and taking them when they come. That's the way they go. And you can just see the benefits of that in all of those games, whether it's stopping Leicester from counter-attacking, not stopping Newcastle from counter-attacking and going end-to-end, or just being sloppy and not being able to control Brentford. Yeah. Um, Paul, Sam mentioned uh, Laporte there and uh, and uh, the injury break. Um, I thought that came at the wrong time as well because I felt totally. City, yeah, City yeah. were, they were starting to turn the screw a little bit when, uh, when, he, when, when that happened. Um, and then afterwards, it, they went back to not being able to find the screwdriver and, and having to start mm. again. Um, I did. Uh, I, I did want to, to give a quick shout out to Don Farrell as well, whose uh, tweet really made me laugh because uh, just those those long shots that that defenders were taking from the edge of the box. Uh, there was a moment just after his injury where uh, Laporte chested it twice and then volleyed it with his right foot. And Dom just said, oh, yeah. um, "If uh, if Laporte thinks he's chested it down and volleyed it in from the edge of the box with his right foot, then that's a real that's a bad bang on the head." That is a good tweet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Laporte is one of the worst ones for shooting from outside the box, isn't he? Not so much recently. I know he did do it in the first half, but yeah, he's one of the He has been one of the worst for shooting outside the box. But I can't yeah, yeah. doing it, mate. I mean, is, <laughs> yeah, it's now. Is now time to talk about Diaz? Because like one of those things, if we're talking about selection and stuff and all the aerial balls, Akanji's been better than Diaz this season. And, and to be fair, that's probably the number of it. That's the reason why he started. But if Diaz, if Diaz, I was going to say, I'm going to say if Diaz is good for one thing, he's not good for one thing. He's good for a lot of things. But if he's good for one thing, 
is aggressively winning the ball in the air. Or yeah. even if he's not winning it, he's kicking you in the back, so you're not winning it either. Yeah. So, I mean, that would have been useful. And it's just interesting how, you know, the, the man who came in and fixed City's defence, so we, so we say, a couple of seasons ago. Now, he's not... He's not- Getting that, he's not getting a lot of game time and it's not yeah. like he's taking his eye off the ball because he's you know he's Mr. in the training ground at 6am brushing his no, teeth for two minutes is, yeah. it, is it flexibility though is it the fact that Akanji or Stones can slip out to the right back position or and you know Laporte can slip over to the left back position and when they haven't well, got he's any not, he's not been playing as well has he he's not been playing yeah. as well that, that's the love of it it's just, it's just interesting that yeah I, I just think that he's not the first centre back in the pecking order basically um, hmm. that Guardiola feels that Akanji even Ake and Stones has been better centre back this season for City, basically. I, I think, and that's like a bit of a controversial take, but uh, after the result of the weekend, but I think that if the final of the Champions League would have been played uh, on Saturday, the the lineup wouldn't have been much different than the one it was from City. So I guess that Pep would have chosen like Akanji and Stones. Over Ruben Diaz, um, yeah, yeah, then, I'm sure, I'm sure. then Laporte or Ake, um, for them would have played because if Foden didn't play for three Premier League games in a row, it was because he had like some physical problems. I was told the other week, um, and yeah, just basically Pep before the Chelsea game told him that he wanted him to rest against Chelsea and just to prepare himself for Bradford and just to be ready. Um, so I guess that um, this, I mean, it would have been like a similar approach in terms of like the players to put on the pitch um, if there was a final of the Champions League. Um, and Ruben Diaz probably is yeah, the biggest victim in there because uh, he went from being, uh, as Sam was saying, the guy that fixed City's defence to probably fourth City centre-back at the start of the season. Yeah. yeah, let's see how it goes because there are like moments of forms in a season and everything changes. But yeah, it's uh, I think it's a good point from Sam just to point that, just to point that out that that Ruben Diaz is not up there anymore. What about Ake, Paul? Because I mean, it was only a fortnight or so ago we were talking about how Ake very rarely loses an aerial ball, and then Brentford's big one of big Brentford's biggest threats was winning the ball in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, now so one of the things that I think that Pep does with his selections is that. He basically tries to um, a strength, a strengthen like the city's strongest points, and just um, if you play well, they are not going to have the chance just to have second balls and aerial duels and stuff. So if you put Ake and Ake is playing well, so the theory is that you're going to have the ball and you're going to find better um, uh, better spaces in the pockets and better passes just to go through lines. Um, but yeah, it didn't pan out basically because. Uh, the whole team wasn't like on point and 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 sharp as we were discussing. Uh, but yeah, uh, now that we look at the game, uh, probably like the lineup could have been like more reactive in that regard, um, like uh, preparing themselves for the threats Brentford had. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit DirecTV.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Guardiola said after the Fulham game um, that you don't win the title now. Um, and then we said that the hunger would have would have pleased him after that game. Um, what does what does Saturday do to change that? Because, again, of course, they don't lose the title at this point. Um, but he, he must have been concerned with the uh, with, with what... I mean, I don't want to call it a lack of hunger on the pitch because they they seem fr- they were frustrated and they couldn't get going. But it, it just felt like, but it felt like it was a level below. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah. Well, this is the thing about um, the World Cup thing, and is it in their minds? Like instinctively, and this is my problem. Instinctively, when I see something like that, I'm going the other way. If someone go, if someone's going, oh, it's because of the World Cup. You know, they had one eye on the World Cup. They were lazy or whatever, or they were trying to protect themselves. I think that's too easy. And I'll go the other way completely, just out of stubbornness. And that's my issue completely. Um, but I, I feel like it's one of those obvious, well-known public factor X plus City defeat equals that's why. Do you remember when yeah. Arteta left halfway through the 1920 season? It was and already going badly. Losing yeah. afterwards. And they were like, oh, it's because Arteta left. And then it wasn't going well at the start of the next season. They were like, oh, yeah, one Marleo's shit assistant. It's like, what? Do, these are just two things that you know about the workings of City and it's not going badly so you put them together and all of a sudden that's why so and obviously that was nonsense like you say it was already going badly anyway City were out of the title race before Arteta left um, so just not true so but that's why I'm kind of when I'm seeing this World Cup chat I'm thinking I'm not having that but. whatsoever but in fairness in fairness on some maybe it was there on some level I mean the other thing I would say about that is um, all the teams that lost this weekend, I bet every single fan base said, "Oh, they had one on the World Cup," and every team that won, nothing. Yeah, all, all I'm all I'm thinking though is, is that De Bruyne at the end of the game could just that corner where he's where he could stop the counter attack where it goes to where it goes to two one, he could just take the man out, and he chose not to. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And this is this is it. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, instinctively, I'm saying no. It's definitely not that. But I can't say it's definitely not that. What I, my, my original point I was going to make after that little preface was: Are there any specific moments where you think, yeah, they've they've shirked that? But there's one. There's one that you've just mentioned. So maybe there's that. But it wasn't like I don't know if 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 it was affecting them in some way. Um then I guess it was just that kind of unconscious. They're just not quite at it. You know, De Bruyne just wasn't quite switched on enough in terms of you know, the, the accuracy of his passes because basically everything he tried didn't work. And, you know, it's funny that Guardiola mentioned after that Fulham game, he'd said that he'd not been playing at his best, but he said the last two games, Leicester and Fulham, were completely the opposite. But then, like, the game, the week, game of the weekend was this worst one of the season. But then is that because he's going to the World Cup or is it because he hasn't been at his top level all season? And then that's probably closer to the average I don't know like, I don't know it's just an it's just an interesting case but I just wanted to kind of make that point of are there any specific examples where you go oh yeah well they did this because of that in fact one thing I wanted to highlight and this is a tangent because he's one of the few players who's not going but in terms of that winning goal for Brentford do you see he was back in the box Harlan Harlan sprinted back as if he was sprinting forward 
to score. He did that in the first half. Paul was like, look how fast he's running. Because he like he broke from inside his own half. And like, it, I'm sure at some point there'll be a stat. You know when he did that? He ran off the ball for Brent for Brentford, Jesus Christ, for Borussia <laughs> Dortmund a couple of years ago. And it was like 80 miles an hour or whatever. And it was just like, this is ridiculous how fast he's going. It actually looks like sped up. Like he did that in the first half. And obviously he's done that a lot this season where he's like, right, I can score here. So he puts the afterburners on. And it was in the last minute. And he sprinted all the way back to try and stop it. And look, like once he gets there, he doesn't exactly know how best to stop it. But that desire to do that and is do incredible. Right thing, yeah. and like that, it, I mean, it, that's just that's just says a lot for him. It's just something to bring up. But yeah, I mean, obviously that's not directly relevant to the World Cup thing because that's the last sprint he's making for, for a for, month. For a few months. Unless, um, he, unless he signs for Ashton United or uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. But yeah, so, so yeah, I mean... Yeah, the World Cup thing. I, I don't. I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Well, I think that he's going to play one game with Norway now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But I'm um, anyway, Mooney. What was your question before I started talking about the World Cup? Thing? <laughs> I can't really it, remember. It was loosely related <laughs> in my head. Okay, fine. But I, but also, uh, I I also have just realised that we talked a bit about why Ake wasn't starting. But then I've just remembered that uh, he he was away on uh, personal leave, wasn't he? Because his uh, his partner was giving birth, so uh, he, he wasn't available for selection. So he couldn't have been there to win the aerial jewels. So uh, mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, Paul, I just want to I want to finish this this kind of uh, reflective look back on the Brentford game with um, a little bit of a thought that it's that it, it might just be a bit like Spurs at, at, the, at the Etihad last season. It was a bad day, you know. You've you've played your get out of jail free card, and you've got yourself an equaliser. Just don't lose it in stoppage time, and then lo and behold, they come along and they just lost it in stoppage time. And like it's it's one of those it's a frustrating day for everybody, but it's football and these things happen. Yeah, and City is not going to do that, right? I mean, just if they draw a game at home against any team, they, they are not going to settle for a draw unless, yeah. I don't know, they are with 10 men or anything. I mean, if it, it this could have happened against Fulham as well. I can remember with with Sam making like some kind of jokes when like Fulham was like counter-attacking, like saying Conor Gallagher vibes, um, like a bit with yeah. Crystal Palace last, last season. So... I mean, City take those kind of risks. Um, I think it's worth it in, a, in the league when you have like 38 games. Um, but yeah, it was one of those days, basically. Um, there's like every season, there's a Crystal Palace, there's a... Um, which other which games at home? There's a Southampton draw, I can't remember one season. Um, so yeah, it's a bit tricky. Um, yeah, now, just the best thing that City can do is just go on to the next one. By the way, now that Sam mentioned Holland... Um, maybe worth it to um, um, to say that. Well, uh, as, I, as I was saying, I think that Norway have two games now to play, two friendly games to play, in, and I think that City and Norway they have sort of agreed that Holland will feature just in one. So yeah, something just to um, throw in, in in here and let all the City fans know, basically. Yeah. Yeah, um, just let's have a uh, let's finish the show by having a look at uh, the kind of wider picture then, uh, because uh, Sam, the top of the table looks like this: it's Arsenal top, uh, played fourteen, won twelve, uh, thirty-seven points. Uh, City second, played fourteen, won ten, thirty-two points. Uh, Newcastle third, uh, played fifteen, thirty points, uh, and then Tottenham fourth, played fifteen, twenty-nine points. Um, the picture could have been better, um, but I, I guess like it's it's kind of where they want to be. They're there and thereabouts. How how do you think everybody at City's feeling right now? Yeah, good. Um, coming into it after winning the the title two years in a row, you know, Guardiola talked about this the other week. Um, the last time they did that, the reaction wasn't good for the third season, and obviously they had Liverpool running away with it, and now maybe Arsenal are running away with it. But I still 
don't think everybody believes any, anybody believes that. But obviously, the more they go on winning, the more you think, oh, interesting. Well, I can give so, you a, I can give you a direct comparison to after the World Cup because after fourteen games, okay. um, that twenty nineteen twenty season, um, City had twenty nine points, so they've they've got three points more this season than they did in that twenty nineteen twenty yeah, season. Fact, did Guardiola say before the game they got more points at this stage than any other season previously? Uh, like the last four seasons. Yeah, the, the last it's, four, it's, it's probably it, not 2017, 18. Uh, 17, 18, and 18, 19, no. But the last, the last three before this, um, it's it's either the same mm. or, or or better. Um, but okay. in that 2019, yeah. 20 season, it was Liverpool that we were running away with. There were eleven points off the top at that at this stage. Um, whereas now the yeah. five points off the top. It was it was a, an unprecedented start from Liverpool that that did the damage. Yeah, yeah. So about uh, look, overall, fine. Look, playing chucking in a result like that is. Um, going to throw everyone a bit but like for example we had to do like a little half term half kind of term report thing on the athletic just not many words all every club in one article and i i was asked in fact i did mine before the brentford game so i was like, how would you rate it i was like a minus really because like it's been fine isn't it? it's been really good yeah um and i wouldn't change that after the brentford game i say i wonder if it might top, get to be plus to be after the brentford game <laughs> nah no, you, I mean, because you can't start doing it for every single individual result. I mean, look, you, yeah, no, it's been it's been good. Um, if the Brentford game had been, maybe this is a stupid point, but if the Brentford game had been the weekend before and the Fulham game had just been now, the vibes would be feeling a lot better. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's been good. Like to be top of the Champions League group, near the top of the Premier League. I think it's probably a bit more relaxed. This is this probably shouldn't work this way because you should focus on City's performances not other teams but I think the fact that it's Arsenal that are top and not Liverpool makes everyone feel a lot better that five points just, that yeah. five points is nothing anyway City fans know this from from being five points clear in like April five points is nothing and in like November it's absolutely nothing so I wouldn't worry about that but if it were Liverpool top flying I think you'd be a bit more concerned. That puts more pressure and more focus on what City are doing. And obviously, if there's stuff they're not doing quite so well, and obviously they just lost, so we're going to focus on that, you'll be more concerned. But no, I, th- I think they've been good. And considering, look, like I say, they've won two titles in a row and they've had major upheaval in terms of players leaving. Like, regular flows have got... Like, Sterling and Jesus got, for all, for all their sins, they got 30 goals between them in all competitions last season Haaland's come in and there's a whole how's this going to work how's that going to adapt to be fighting at the top of the Premier League certainly not inconsistent there's results and performances you maybe don't like but they've not been inconsistent they've been consistently good they've done what they need to do in the Champions League which is what they always do they win most of their games they chuck in a couple of draws they finish top with a game to spare job done it's been absolutely fine Um, yeah like all those factors considered no problem. Somebody, somebody highlighted actually in the Q and A two really interesting questions. And obviously, I'm not, my focus isn't really on City for the next month because we've got World Cup stuff to do. I've got the week off, and I'm going to Argentina. Hmm. We said one post was basically they've conceded an average of one goal per game, which is more than recent seasons. He's like, how how concerned are we? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But then obviously, if they got more points in the last few seasons, I guess not that concerned. And the other one is he said he could think of like three or four goals that have come from like free kicks like direct goalkeeper free kicks or goal kicks is there a problem with that so that's definitely something I want to have a look at so those little things are, are things to mull over but then if you think all the goals Harlan scored all the the kind of I think Foden's Foden's got what as many home goals this season as he has done in recent years or as many goals he's getting on for as many goals this season as in recent seasons 
De Bruyne hasn't been at his best, but he's still creating a load of chances. Um, we've again, if we're going to talk about as if it's after the Fulham game, that commitment of those players, Gundogan, Bernardo, Rodri, are fantastic. I don't know whether I'm coming or going with Grealish, but I'm going to be optimistic and hope that that Chelsea performance stick sticks around. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the defense is hard to, to pin down the defense because it changes from one game to the next, and maybe that's why they're conceding more goals. But yeah, um, I think it's been fine. And if there's any issues afterwards, we'll see. But but then again, if there's any, if there's a big difference before or after the the international break, the World Cup break. I don't know. Like, is there any kind of correlation, or is it just like a, a, a clean break and everyone starts from scratch? Like, it's it's fascinating. I don't. Yeah. Know. The I mean, it's it's easy to forget, I guess, Paul, that uh, fourteen games uh, isn't the halfway point. It feels like we're at the halfway point, but we're nowhere near it. It's it's we're much closer to the to having we've we've only just passed a third of the season, um, and and like you you get to this stage and and like fourteen game fourteen Premier League games, a handful of of Champions League games. And a few uh, cup games in uh, chucked in, like City are still learning about their their, their new setup with with Haaland and a, a, a striker and a pre- like a presence that is a, like changes the shape of the team, um, and and they're in they're in touching distance of the Premier League. They've won the Champions League group. It's going fine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think they they are in quite a quite a good position. If you have told anyone that they would be like that right now, I think that. Basically, no one at City would have complained a lot, <laughs> um, and yeah, just uh, it 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 gives like the feeling that it might be the halfway of the season. There's still like a lot to play. Of course, two games against Arsenal yet, um, but at the same time, I I think that the season was kind of prepared. Like this was the halfway of the season. Like um, it, like in, in terms of like physical term uh, on on like physical pre- preparation and trainings and stuff. So let's see if. Like the season doesn't end up being like too long for some teams or players or something like that, um, which is a thing that um, clubs will have to manage. Um, but yeah, that's like still a lot to do. Um, as I was saying, five points, it's not that much at, the, at this stage of the season because on the second part, I think that top teams play more with like the being afraid of losing. That is basically what plays an important role in games. Um, but yeah, I think it's fair to say that there's, there is people at City right now that that basically be- believe that it's going to be them and Arsenal maybe for the title race. So it's something that we we, we didn't expect maybe back in August. Um, it's not yeah, um, anyway. Really, but like yeah. in the title race. How far are they back? Like, it's it's like that old Real Madrid thing. It's like the Real Madrid are a team you need to like cut their head off and bury them six feet underground. Like Nobody's done that to Liverpool. City didn't do that to Liverpool, did they? Um, they're 10, point like 10 points away from City. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, a bit, it's a big old gap in it, to be fair. But I don't know. I, I could see it clicking. Yeah. But that's just that's just that thing of, you know, Liverpool, Real Madrid, you need you need to say say goodbye to them when yeah, you can yeah. and nobody has yet. But, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Um, well, it is Liverpool when uh, City return from uh, the World Cup, Sam. Um, we, we'll do a little oh, bit about this now because we are, we're, yeah, we're, uh, we're this is going to be our final while ways us until uh, until the, the domestic football returns. So, um, uh, like, how pleased will or, or upset will Guardiola be that it's Liverpool at home in the next round of the League Cup? It kind of like you were saying, it kind of feels like it, it, it's actually it's not a terrible draw. Yeah. Um... He said last week, you know, maybe I'll play midfield and Klopp will play right back. 
Um, but yeah, it just helps, doesn't it? Like it's because it's a big game in the sense that it's Liverpool and you've got to be on it, and it's a proper competition. But it's not the biggest competition, and whoever's back will be back, and they'll have ninety minutes in their legs. And then what? What was that game? The twenty third? Is it twenty second? Yeah, it's, it's it's that. It's it, I was. There, I then, don't know if the fixtures out if it's if it's been confirmed. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think they snuck it out on like Saturday in the immediate aftermath of the game because I went on City Extra to find a, a quote. And it was on there. I don't think I'd heard about it recently. Uh, since then, so I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's on the Thursday night. On the twenty second, yeah, twenty second. And then the Leeds yeah. game is what the twenty eighth. So yeah, 28th. you've got whoever's whoever's back is back. They can play. Then you've got six days to recover and prepare. It, it's much better than just you know coming back on the tenth of December or whatever and building up. And and I mean, look, if they if they played Wickham again or something like that. It would have been fine, but to have a proper test in Liverpool, who will have a similar weakened squad, but they'll want to achieve the same kind of things. It's a good test. Um, like I say, it's, it'll focus the minds. You know, there are City players who don't like Liverpool. I'm sure there are Liverpool players who don't like City. Uh, and yeah, in the sense of on the pitch, it will be everything that comes with it. Unfortunately, off the pitch, it'll be everything that comes with it as well. And I really yeah. cannot be asked for that. But I'm going to go and enjoy the World Cup before that, and we'll worry about it later on. Yeah, um, it's uh, just a, a final kind of point on all of this, uh, Paul. Um, I mean, we're, like Sam says, we're going to have to wait and see what disruptions caused with injuries, players getting deep into the tournament, players needing rest, that sort of things. Um, you think City, have, uh, as much as, as the players will likely, there's a lot of players going to the World Cup and will likely do well at the World Cup. You'd also think they're, they're one of the teams that are best placed to, to deal with the element of chaos that that will bring in the second half of the season. Uh, yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, just when when you see how they've managed like some injuries this season, um, how City provided Pep with a, with a fifth centre back and all these and all this kind of stuff, you you can like feel that City might be in a good place just to deal with injuries and with the holidays that the players will need. But I mean, you you never know. It's difficult to make like any kind of predictions in that. Um, but yeah, I think that City will have like a lot of players on the World Cup until like the very, like the very late uh, stages. So let's see how do how they come back. Um, but yeah, um, I think that City are in a good place in terms of squad players, unless Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Ilkay Gundogan, and Rodri get all injured in the same time. Then 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 they are going to have a problem. God, we had that Chelsea game at the end of the other season when Ferran Torres and Raheem Sterling were number eights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, the game that City could have won the the, the title, right? Yeah, they yeah, won it that day. Game, yeah. yeah, yeah. When it was the old, they won it up. Aguero tried the Panenka. Aguero the Panenka. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that old yeah, story. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the the classic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Final final question then for this week. Um, Going to put both of you on the spot. Uh, World Cup winner in City squad. Do you think, Sam? Uh, I was going to say hopefully Alvarez. Um, I suppose hopefully like Stones and. Foden and Grealish and Walker and Phillips as well, I guess. But yeah, um, I'm quite invested in Argentina and Messi winning this World Cup. Not massively, but I'd, I'd like it to happen. I am as well. Um, I mean, in fairness, there's probably there's a good chance of a City player being in the winning squad. I mean, yeah, Edison, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Alvarez, the, not any England players really. Um, yeah, there's a decent chance with them being the favourite. I think that everyone's quite negative about Belgium, but I'm trying to think, considering... There's no real like proper established favourites if Belgium might actually finally sneak over the line with their 2017 Premier League All-Star yeah. team. 
Yeah. Paul, any for you other than, uh, I mean, Alvarez is the, is the one that Guardiola's tipped. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that Brazil probably had the best team in my opinion or the one that, yeah, the one that you have to look at. Um, but if you think about which kind of national team could win the World Cup um, without any City player on them, is it just France maybe? Yeah, like like that. like a favorite team, like a yeah. like, like a contender. I think it's just France. I mean, if if any other big national team wins it, they they're gonna have a city player on it. So yeah, uh, my guess is that the city player will come back being world champion. Yeah, so uh, congratulations, France. Um, that brings us to the end of this week's Why Always Us. Thank you as ever to Sam Lee. Thanks everyone. Enjoy the World Cup and to Paul Bayus as well. Thank you very much. A pleasure. Now, as I said, this is our final Wireways Us now until after the World Cup. Uh, we'll be back when the season resumes. But until then, don't forget you can sign up to The Athletic right now for a pound a month for six months. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.